0: Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, as we always do, we ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. When I was in seminary, we had a chapel service every single morning. So just in case you thought that church once a week was too much. Don't go to seminary. Um, we had chapel every morning, and um, the preachers were the students. We would all rotate through preaching to sort of help us practice. And so that, that led to sort of a wide variety of sermon styles, sermon quality. Um, some were really great. Some were sort of in the middle. Some um, were not so good. I won't tell you, you know, sort of where I ranked, but I think we all know. Um, and I don't remember lots of the sermons, but I do remember one in particular that has stuck with me all of these years later. In fact, though, it's not actually the content of the sermon that I, re- re- that I re- remember because I don't at all. What I remember was how this particular student started the sermon. He, um, you know, he was sitting up front like you do, and he had his... Sermon in his hands, and he walked to the lectern at the appropriate time, laid his sermon down, and sort of looked for a moment like he wasn't sure what to do, sort of had a thoughtful pause, and then dramatically ripped up his sermon and dropped it on the ground and began to preach extemporaneously. And I always thought sort of a great moment, you know, to rip apart your sermon and just go into it as though you're sort of full of the Holy Spirit. You've got something new to say. You had a plan, but forget that. Go with something new. And then I thought to myself, wouldn't it be really cool if he had some other little notes here on the side and that that was his plan all along? Um, and I just wanted to come to you in a, in a confessional mode this morning. I do have little notes here, so... Um, that was all a fake. I do want to talk um, this morning to you for a moment about love. I want to talk to you about two kinds of love. One kind of love that will kill you. And one kind of love that will give you life. And of course, I know you're sitting there thinking, how can there be a kind of love that will kill you? And you're right for thinking that. The kind of love that will kill you is love with love air quotation marks around it. It's love that appears to be love on the surface, but is not truly love underneath. That is a love that will kill you, as opposed to true love that will give you life. Has anybody seen the Joy Luck Club, or read the book? Um, Oh wow, we actually have hand raising in the audience, that's nice, really responsive this morning, I like it. So in the movie, at least, I think there's a a, um, scene, this same scene does exist in the novel. A mother goes to visit her daughter and her husband, and she's in the kitchen, and she finds, I think I've actually um, told you this story before, but she finds on the refrigerator a chart of who owes who what. Like the husband spent, th- spent this amount of money on something, and so the wife owes him half of that. Or the wife went shopping, and so he, she, uh, he owes her half of that. There's this chart on the refrigerator of who owes who what. The idea is to keep the marriage on equal footing. Right? Two-way street. Love. Two-way love. And of course the marriage is being destroyed every day. Because we can't actually survive with a list on the fridge of what we owe our spouse. And what our spouse owes us. Two-way streets like this. Love that needs to be reciprocated. Love that needs to be equal. Is not love at all. It's love. Air quotation marks. And it will kill you. It will destroy you, as surely as it was destroying that marriage in the Joy Luck Club. Another example from (coughs) my life, I worked in a job once where once in a while the supervisor would ask somebody who worked for him to sort of account for the way they spent their work week. You know, sort of, for the next week, as you work, Make a chart of how you spend your time. You know, you, you spend four hours doing this. You spend six hours doing that. You spend three hours doing this other thing. And inevitably, at the end of the week, the person who had been asked to account for their time was fired. Every single time. We cannot survive an accounting. A two-way street. Love with quotation marks. If... We are put in a position to defend our actions, to be in a reciprocal relationship. We will die. We will be killed. I heard a speaker at a conference, and I think I've actually shared this story with you before. This is sort of a, this is a greatest hits sermon, right? Several stories from other sermons all compiled into one sermon. This way I don't have to prepare any new material, so I heard a speaker at a conference tell us that our relationship with Jesus Christ was just like our relationship with anyone else. It needs to be cared for. It needs to be tended. Um, this, this is how we think of it, right? If you have a friend and you don't ever call them again, pretty soon they won't be your friend. If you have a friend and you never see them, pretty soon they won't be your friend. If you have someone in your life and you only ever talk to them when you need something from them, pretty soon they'll start hanging up on you. And this is how we envision our relationship with Jesus. If we only talk to him when we need something, isn't he going to get tired of us? Don't we need to work on our relationship with Jesus just like we work on any other relationship? Sort of like the story of the fig tree that we read from Luke. Let me tend to it. Let me spread manure around its roots. Let me sort of weed out. Let me take care of it. It'll come back. It'll get better. But this is love with quotation marks. This is air quotes love. If my relationship with Jesus Christ is dependent on my ability to care for it, I'm in trouble. If my relationship with Jesus Christ is dependent on a chart on the fridge of who owes who what, or a weekly accounting of how I spent my time, it's going to fall apart. I'm going to get fired. Jesus is going to start hanging up on me. And this is the truth about two-way relationships. We think that's how things ought to work. You give, you get. You love, you are loved. But two-way relationships have charts on the fridge. Two-way relationships have accountings of your time. Two-way relationships have requirements, and requirements... Lead to disaster. God's love does not have quotation marks around it. Listen to this story from Genesis chapter 15 when Abram hears the voice of God who says, Do not be afraid. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram says, Are you kidding? I don't even have an heir, I don't have any kids. My life is such that a servant in my house is going to get my inheritance because I have no. And so God says, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Abraham says, okay. And then the Lord says, and I'm going to give you all this land to live in. And Abram says, how can I believe you? How is it that I know you're going to give me what you have promised to give me? And then we get this relatively grisly story of this ceremony that Abram and the Lord engage in. The Lord says, bring me these animals. What is it? A a heifer, a goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He says, cut them in half. And lay them out over against each other. I, I love how it says he did not cut the birds into. I mean, he's not an animal. Right? He, he's not a barbarian. He he cut the the heifer into, the goat into, and the ram, but not the birds. So we have this scene with a heifer cut into, a ram cut into, and a goat cut into, and this is actually. As crazy as it sounds to us today, this is how people entered into covenants in that day. And here's the imagery. They would bring these animals, and they would cut them in half, just like it says, and they would lay each half out on one side or the other of a path. One half of the animal on one side, one half of the animal on the other. And then each party entering into the covenant would walk down the path between the pieces. And the implication was, if I break my end of the covenant, may I end up like these animals. It was a sort of really um, gory, visual, and probably, probably olfactory image of what you were promising, how serious you were about your part of the covenant. If I don't hold up my end, may I end up like these animals. But what happens when God and Abram make a covenant? After Abram cuts the animals in half, lays them out, what happens? It says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And a deep sleep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. Abram falls asleep. Better than that, Abram is put to sleep. God sends a sleep upon Abram and then walks between the pieces by himself. This is one-way love. God is saying to Abram, if something goes wrong here, it's on me. I am not requiring that you walk between the pieces. In fact, I'm not even going to make you involved in the ceremony. Go to sleep. It's like a Puts Abram in a sleeper hold. (laughs) Puts him out of the discussion. And then certifies the covenant by himself. One way love. If this covenant gets messed up, says God, it's on me. I'll fix it. And God's relationship with us is exactly this way. God's love is one way. From God to us. Asking for nothing in return. There is no chart on our fridge. We are not asked to account for how we spend our time. God's love comes to us. Not only are we not involved... We're asleep. We don't do anything. And God says to us, when this covenant falls apart, and with our involvement, it surely will, it's on me. I'll fix it. And he sends his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, To sacrifice himself just like those animals. Split in half. But then, he raises him. The two halves put together. He walks between the pieces by himself. Sends his son in our place. And resurrects his son to certify that the covenant is secure in him and in him alone. Jesus Christ come to live, to die, and to rise again so that God keeps his covenant of one-way love with us forever. Amen.